0: As the Nationals are strike away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series game Seven. Oh, Oh, great crossover. Got (laughs) it. That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win! The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time. It is, for you listening to this podcast, the DC Crossover with Cerrone and Simpson. I welcome you. I am one half of the show, Mr. Mike Cerrone, right here on the mic for you all. My other half, my other half, Mr. Ben Simpson, is on the mend. He has come down with some type of illness that is definitely negative strep and also negative COVID, so we don't have to worry too much about him. He's on The Men, though. He's on The Men, so he shall be back next week. But I will be doing a solo show, a solo DC crossover, so I will be crossing over myself here in this episode number 83. You know what's always funny is that whenever Ben always says and welcomes us in, he always says, like, we've done, like, 83 of these, we've done 81 of these, or whatever it may be. But the funny thing is the P1s out there, as some people like to call them, It's always funny because they have been listening to the show, and we've said this multiple times, over every variation of the DC Crossover. We've had uh, Radio Free Radford, WGMU. We've even had a brief stint on YouTube uh, where we tried that bit out for a little while. That was a fail. Um, (laughs) And we've also had uh, a brief stint at uh, Herna Community Television and different things of that nature. Uh, But it's always funny to me when Ben always sits there and says... Uh, You know, we've had 72 of these because, you know, the real people out there um, who didn't just start following the DC crossover when we changed the name and we kind of rebranded and everything like that, uh, they all know that there's been probably, I don't know, maybe in the the hundreds uh, of episodes uh, over the years. But anyways, I am Mike Cerrone, one of the halves of the DC crossover podcast right here located in the Washington DC area. And uh, if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, We cross over all four major sports teams in the Washington, D.C. market. The Washington football team, the Washington Nationals, the Washington Capitals, and the Washington Wizards. We also sprinkle in uh, some other teams that are in the area. D.C. United every now and then uh, when they're relevant. The Washington Mystics, uh, so on and so forth uh, around the area. Sometimes college football. But how we do this show. Me and Ben usually go pre-show and we kind of, you know, we do some bantering back and forth. What's been going on? Because we tape this show weekly. Uh, We usually tape it on Sundays. Yesterday I was actually on our uh, partnering uh, station, The Contender. If you want to go follow them, at The Contender on Twitter. Also download their app. It's Commercial Free Sports Talk. We are partnered with them Uh, And we are on the Washington, D.C. side of their two-city market, which is Washington, D.C. and Chicago. It's commercial-free sports talk. You can go on there, listen to live shows uh, from Washington, D.C. and also in Chicago. uh, And also listen to some podcasts that that are affiliated with The Contender as well. So once again, at The Contender with a K. And also download their app um, as well on uh, all your devices uh, plus, you can also go to the to thecontender.com and also download all the podcasts and so on and so forth from there. Uh, but yesterday, I was doing the Washington football team post-game show live on The Contender uh, and uh, talking about their 31-13 to 13 loss. Um, so yesterday, we didn't get to record, uh, but uh, today, Ben's not feeling as, be- as much uh, uh, better, I guess. Is that even a right sentence? I don't even know. Uh, as much better or whatever uh he's not feeling as better they can't even talk uh he's not feeling um up to his standards <laughs> let's change the wording here up to his standards uh to um uh, jump on the show today with me so i told him just hey man go take some medicine just relax a little bit don't worry about it i'll take it from here uh he's covered me in the past cuz i've had a lot of weddings and different things uh over the last few months Uh, to go to, and he's covered me, done some solo shows. Um, So I've been traveling a lot over the last uh, two and a half, three months, so he has helped me out. Uh, So I I decided, hey, I'll take the reins on this one. I'll I'll man Santa Sled uh, and uh, and Santa Sleigh. Santa Sled. Is it a sled or is it a sleigh? Which one is it? Now that I actually think about that, Santa Sled or Santa Sleigh, like where do they put the toys? Is it In his sled, or is in his sleigh? Hmm. See what happens when you talk? uh, You know, when you're talking to yourself, uh, you always wonder, and then things come up, and then you kind of confuse yourself, which I just did. Uh, But anyways, (laughs) once again, if you are uh, a new listener, we welcome you to the DC Crossover Podcast. Once again, uh, we start off the show with some pre-show banter. We go back and forth and talk about some random stuff for a few minutes, and then we go into the rewind segment uh, where we talk about what's been going on over the last week with our teams in the area. Then we get into our actual breakdowns of the teams of the week, and then we get into uh some roundups of different things of that nature. And then we go into the forecast telling you what's actually going into this coming week, who's playing what around the area. Uh we get into the final lap which Ben basically comes up with a bunch of different big stories and sports uh and, and so on and so forth and Ninety seconds of quick analysis where he asks me random things which I have not seen before. Uh, he makes the list up. If I've heard about it, cool. If I haven't, then all right. Uh, and then I give him my quick reaction about it. Uh, and then we get into the money line, sponsored by our DraftKings sponsor, um, and we give you a lock and a dog of the week. And uh, we've already had one little installment of this. Uh, I won the first installment just by a couple picks. Uh, right now, me and Ben had a pretty good week. This past week, both going two and zero. Uh, But we will get into that later in the show. But again, this is the time which I love the most, honestly. I love talking about sports. Me and Ben, uh, typically I would say that me and Ben really are close when it comes to thoughts about sports and different things like that. So we usually don't disagree uh, more often than not. I would say more so that we we agree on a lot of different things. Um, But when it comes to uh, sports... Sometimes there are disagreements and sometimes there's not. Uh, the disagreements come far less, um, but we're not afraid to say what we disagree about and what we don't disagree about. Um, but this is one of my favorite parts of the show, is the pre-show banter. Because we get a lot of laughs and uh, over the years we've talked about different things like food and water and uh, you know what brand of water is the best. And uh, different things that are just off the cuff and just make us laugh. And I think, honestly, I think Ben is one of the funniest guys I know, um, just because the sole fact that just the things he says and kind of the reactions that he says them in and like the, the arm movements and like the just the voice fluctuations, stuff like that, make me laugh. So whenever we talk about pre-show banter stuff, uh, it always, always kind of makes me uh, give a chuckle. Um, but at the same time, and if you've heard my laugh before, uh, it's probably not going to come out today because I'm only talking to myself and I'm not really going to laugh like a real laugh. Uh, but you can probably go into past episodes, download those episodes, uh, and, uh, and and check those out as well. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've laughed in every single one that Ben and I have been on together. Um, but again, this is my favorite part of the show, the pre-show banter, because we talk about what's happened over the last week. Uh, we've talked about uh, different things, like Ben is a, is a new father, uh, so he's a new dad out there uh, recently. So he has a lot of funny stories about doing dad duties and different stuff like that. Um, but uh, we talk about a lot of different stuff that's on our mind. It could be a gripe. It could be something funny. Uh, and, and a couple things that I want to talk about real quick. Uh, first, I want to start off with the Jackson Mahomes situation. Now, it's all over Twitter and TikTok and different things like that. It's pretty much all over the Internet. Uh, Jackson Mahomes, no matter what your opinion is on the guy, it, it just kind of irked me the wrong way right when I saw it. But now they're starting to have things come out. And he was on Twitter apologizing, saying something. Um, and that's the biggest thing that I think... I'm not going to you know, go into this a lot. But there's some TikTokers and social media influencers out there that I think that they are more so inclined to just kind of brush it off like it's nothing when it comes to... Them doing something either inappropriate or, and I'm not trying to be that old man on a long on 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 his porch saying get off my lawn, you know stuff like that, but I just think that uh you know in my own opinion, I think some some social media influencers kind of just sit there and they're like oh I did something bad let me just say sorry and then I'll make it up an excuse for it, you know and and it'll go away you know stuff like that, um but this is a situation where the Washington football team has had some controversy going on with the whole entire John Gruden stuff. Now I'm not going to get into all the Gruden situation because that's you know that's that stuff is you know all coming out and it's and it's blowing up and everything like that, but I'm not in the in the part um or I should say in the portion of mind um in the state of mind I should say to sit there and count and, and and say stuff about it because I don't have all the facts. I don't have all the information. So I'm not going to sit here and try to go over that by myself. Um, but when it comes to this situation with the Washington football team trying to retire a jersey number, that rarely happens. The Washington football team has not retired a jersey in God knows how long. Um not exactly sure when the last jersey was retired, to be honest with you. Um, some of the great players over the years that deserve uh, a look-see for their jersey being retired, um, like Chris Cooley, he was a, a, a big star for this team for a little while. Um, you know, It's really the stars that have been here for you know, five to ten years that made a huge impact. Now, obviously, you, know, you throw him in the ring of fame or whatever, that's one thing. But retiring a jersey, it's a more sacred thing. And that's the biggest thing that I look at retiring jerseys is that everyone always says, well, this guy made a huge impact. He should be his, his jersey should be retired. The thing about it is, if you reti- retire everyone's jersey, there's not going to be any numbers left. All of a sudden, you're going to have to put like you know a, a hashtag or something like that on the back of the jersey because you don't know who they are because they they don't have any numbers to use. But going back real quick to the whole entire Jackson Mahomes thing, that's kind of like where my status is on uh, you know social media influencers. And again, this is not a topic that I'm trying to get into uh, with social media influencers and my own opinions about them uh some of them are very humbled some of them aren't um but you know when it comes down to burying your phone inside of a social media app and kind of just you know as that one meme on vine or not meme it's a that one vine if you guys remember the kid that had the spoons on his head on his eyes and he was like i'm just blocking out the haters uh you know that's what a lot of these influencers do which is all right you know you can block out the haters and stuff like that but you got to admit when you're wrong and i just think that in this situation Jackson Mahomes you know, he said he was sorry because if you don't know what happened, he took some pictures uh, and, and uh, the 21 uh, of the Redskins uh, at the time, uh, colors and stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to say Redskins because Sean Taylor was on the Redskins. Uh, that whole entire situation was something that is sacred for fans because that was a huge deal. I actually went to the game uh, that they handed out the towels. I still have those in stories, The 21 towels um, that they had to to you know honor Sean Taylor, um, and uh, you know it. His whole entire they call the people are calling it a memorial. I don't know if it's really a memorial. It's his numbers painted on the field, um, but it was roped off. And apparently, Jackson Mahomes said that oh they they told us to go over here. I understand that they told you to go over there. It's a roped off area, okay, with a number in there. So he went over there, and he was sitting there taking pics and stuff like that, which isn't a good look in the first place, okay? It's not a good look in the first place, but it's not terribly wrong. The issue that I have with it, the issue I think that a lot of people have with it, is that he decided to do his stupid little shtick where he does a a dance at a stadium, and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's like, dude, man, come on, man. I understand you're at the stadium, but, like, you're doing it on the numbers? So he did a TikTok dance on the numbers inside the little roped area or chained-in area, whatever you call it. Those chains aren't there to protect you. Like, there's going to be a mob to, to come and get your autograph. Those chains are there for no one to, to step there. Now, do we really believe that people said they were directed over there? Because that would be just stupid. Like, if, if somebody said, hey, let me, you know, you know, direct Jackson Mahomes to go over and stand in the the chained out area, you know, roped out area. That makes no sense to me, to be honest with you. But I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I just think that that was very inappropriate. And I think that when he went on Twitter and he deleted the TikTok, obviously, but he went on Twitter and said, I'm very sorry, but they told us to stand there. Okay. And then I saw a picture come out and then him and like, five other people or something like that are standing in that roped off area. It just doesn't make any sense. It's a bad look. And obviously that's on him. That's on him to uh, know what's going on. But I just think it's a really bad look. And I think it's very inappropriate and disrespectful uh, to a guy that was slain in his own home and had a uh, story career, uh, short career, I should say, shortened career uh, for that team. No matter if you're for, Uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs or not that was just a bad look and I'm not going to sit here and try to bash his character in but you got to know better than that you just have to know better than that don't do a tiktok dance like if they get directed or you you get directed to go inside that roped area by some idiot that that might have done that okay who didn't know what the situation was going on then okay that's one thing but let's be honest here that's a bad look Don't go on Twitter and start making excuses for everybody else and saying, this is that, this is that. You made a TikTok. The person who, I guess, quote-unquote, the person that told you to go in there was not saying, hey, why don't you do a dance in there, buddy? You know, like, they weren't saying that. So let's be honest here. Uh, Last thing I wanted to go over. Oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, I, I think the Washington football team with the whole entire John Gruden stuff was ridiculous. I mean, let's be honest here. That was ridiculous. I mean, I'm not talking about the John Gruden stuff in general. But for them to try to cover up all the stuff that's surrounding them and say that, oh, yeah, uh, we're going to try to uh, honor Sean Taylor like four days before the game, that's a cover-up. I'm sorry. And it was all over Twitter. It was all over Facebook. It was all over everything that they're screwing this up. They're screwing the pooch with this whole entire situation because Sean Taylor deserves better than that. He deserves better than a four-day notice for fans who uh, you know, praised this guy and mourn this guy multiple times, multiple instances, it's all over Facebook whenever he has his anniversary of his death and everything like that. It's all over Facebook. Everyone says you know something nice about Sean Taylor and and you know whatever. It was a whole entire situation. and for them to do that is a stupid, stupid look. I don't care who you are, I don't care what fan you are. That was a dumb look. And honestly, it all starts from the top with Dan Snyder. And I'm not going to sit here and talk about Dan Snyder because I don't think I should waste any breath on Dan Snyder. But that was a stupid, stupid idea. Let's honor Sean Taylor, the late Sean Taylor, and a career that he got cut short because of some idiots trying to rob his house. Let's honor him and retire his jersey number to cover our own ass about the entire John Gruden situation. Stupid idiotic dumb that's all that is and that's all i'm going to say about it last thing i want to say real quick for our little pre-show banter and obviously you know it's 17 minutes in uh or so uh, and usually me and ben try to cut this short to under 15 minutes last thing i want to say is jerseys are so overpriced here in the states that people are starting to go to these off-brand websites that you can get them from overseas across the pond for, like, 30 bucks. Now, once in a while, you'll obviously get a jersey that is pretty nice, you know, really nice. You know, it looks authentic. But then you'll get some jerseys that are flops, that are nubs, okay? I've had one instance with that. Um, but you always got to order the jersey, like, two sizes, like, too big or whatever because of the sole fact that, you know, when they make them, I mean, if you if you have a large, like in in the States, you have to order like a 2X because you know it's not going to fit you. And uh, I ordered two hockey jerseys uh, from uh, uh, said website. And uh, it's a really nice OV. Uh, it's an OV jersey, that Ovechkin jersey that has the capital, the black uh, jersey with the capital on it. And uh, I have that jersey. A little snug, a little snug, not going to lie. Got to lose them LBs to uh, wear that out in public. Uh, And then I wore a customized Tom Wilson jersey that is black and gold. It's pretty cool. It's uh, it's a pretty nice little jersey um, that I got some compliments on today when I wore it at work. Uh, But that's a whole other thing. Um, But, yeah, so I want to know what everyone's thoughts are and what kind of jerseys, maybe some flubs uh, that you've gotten. If you have ordered those jerseys. So again, if you want to follow the show, at the DC Crossover on Twitter. And at Sarone 16 for me on Twitter as well. Also, search DC Crossover and all your podcasting apps. Uh, and uh, share the word. Subscribe, rate, review, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but definitely hit me up on Twitter, at Cerrone16, if you would like to tell me some Flubs jerseys. If you've ever been in a situation like that. Uh, the one jersey that I have that is one of those It's an Alfred Morris jersey from 2012. My aunt actually bought it for Christmas for me, and the lettering was, like, crooked. The logo was, like, upside down and, like, backwards or something like that, which I don't know how you can screw that up. Um, And there was threads hanging out of it. The number was crooked. Uh, It was just a whole rigmarole. And honestly... Haven't worn it, so it's been almost a decade, and I haven't worn that jersey once. <laughs> I always kept it because I thought that, hey, maybe I'll sit there and uh, and wear it uh, to like a backyard football game or a turkey bowl or something like that. Nope, hasn't happened yet. Anyways, after my blabbering for a little while, let's get right into the show here with The Rewind. The Washington football team is 2-4, and four, second somehow in the NFC East. This week they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs 31-13. to Taylor Heineke was 24-39 for 182 yards, one touchdown and one interception. For once, surprisingly, he had zero carries, which I'm shocked about that after I looked after the game that he had zero carries because his, his legs, I mean, he does a lot with his legs, but he did not do that. Uh, during the Kansas City game yesterday. Antonio Gibson, 10 carries, 44 yards, two receptions for zero yards. Uh, He had a shin injury, uh, I think it was late in the second quarter, maybe in the third quarter. Uh, So, J.D. McKissick, if you want to go back and check out my Washington football team post-game show, you can go check it out on The Contender. I talked a lot about him, and I said he was one of our studs for the game. Eight carries for 45 yards, 5.6 average eight catches for 65 yards. He led the team in targets with 10, so that's probably one of the most impressive performances of his career coming in there uh, for the injured Gibson and taking control. Ricky Seals-Jones, who me and Ben have talked about multiple times over the last couple of weeks, four to four catches for 58 yards and one touchdown, the really nice 39-yard touchdown from him and Taylor Heineke. Terry McLaurin, he was double-covered pretty much all day. He had about eight targets, four catches for 28 yards. Chase Young, Uh, Had another sack, had a lot of pressures as well. So he is kind of coming more into form as the season goes along. And my man Cole Holcomb, fifth-round pick at UNC a couple years ago. Uh, He had a great game, ten tackles, nine solo tackles. He actually is in the top ten of tackles in the NFL. He also had one sack, one pass defense, and also one QB hit. But the Washington football team is still second in the NFC East. Uh, behind the five and one Cowboys who are kind of running away with this uh, division so far uh, through six games. But the Washington football team is two and four. And now we move on to a team that has sprung upon us, the Washington Capitals. The Washington Capitals are 1,0 oh, and 1. Fourth in the Metro Division doesn't really matter what uh, position they are in the Metro division because the season just started. But just for all you guys out there who want to talk about it, fourth in the Metro Division, they won the opener convincingly against the Rangers 5-1. to one. Alex Ovechkin grabs four points, two goals, and two assists in the opener. That was pretty impressive. Uh, not going to lie, that was very impressive to see him go out there against the Rangers, uh, who still have a little bit of bad blood from the end of the season last year with that whole entire scuffle. Uh, but Ovi comes in there about 80%, I guess you could say. health-wise and grabs four points, two goals, and two assists. Moves into fifth all-time in the goal-scoring category. And uh, Vitek Vanacek gets the start over Ilya Samsonov and starts and saves 23 of 24 shots. And also the rookie, Hendrix Lapierre, grabs his first career NHL goal. That was also um, dubbed over by Wayne Gretzky, the great one. I'll get into that here in a little bit as well. Uh, That tilted me some. Uh, but uh the second game, they lost in overtime with about thirteen seconds left or so uh to Tampa Bay. They lost two to one uh the other day. Tampa Bay uh was desperate after a rough start against the Pens and the Wings. Uh they got shellacked at home in their banner raising. Uh against the honestly the shorthanded Pens. I mean, somehow, some way the Pens went in there without Sidney Crosby, without Evgeny Malkin, and I believe without Jake Gensel as well, their top pretty much three guys. Um, you could say, and uh, just shellacked Tampa Bay. It wasn't even close. Uh, and then also, Tampa Bay was down six to three against Ben's Red Wings. And uh, the Red Wings, they're they're a young team, but uh, they took it to the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Tampa Bay Lightning somehow came back and won seven to six in overtime against Detroit. Alex Ovechkin grabbed another goal, such so as third goal of the season through two games. Uh, Vitek Vanacek lets in one goal in regulation, but Steven Stamkos. Uh, scored in overtime, Uh, and Andre Vasilevsky stonewalls the Caps after letting in 11 goals uh, to the shorthanded Pens and the young Red Wings. But that is the Washington Capitals' little rewind, and we will get in right now to the Washington football team. So, once again, the Washington football team, as I Man, as I did the post-game show yesterday, number one, doing a post-game show, and Ben has done a post-game show. He did it actually two weeks ago uh, when we lost to the Saints. The funny thing about this was, is that when Ben did his post-game show, I was on the way back from a wedding in Pittsburgh. And I tried to call in because I was like, you know what, Ben was also trying to watch the Lions and stuff too. I had a lot of trouble trying to stream the game through the radio because obviously I wasn't local driving back, um, and I had a lot of trouble doing that, so I was kind of going off of uh, box scores and, and a little bit that I got to listen to when I was trying to stream it, and I called Ben, and we talked for a little bit, and then we had a couple callers or whatever, and it was okay. It was kind of a frustrating loss, but you know at the same time, we kind of talked through it and whatever. So we did the postgame show after the Windy City Breeze did their shot Chicago postgame show and uh, their loss to the Packers. And the funny thing is, is that I had zero calls. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Cero. I think that's how you say it in Spanish. And I'm not surprised. We were up 13 to 10. 13 to 10. And we still got shellacked in the second half. I mean, we let in three touchdowns, which isn't that bad to the Kansas City Chiefs in one half. Not that bad. I mean, literally, the Giants let in 28 in one quarter to the Rams. One quarter. But that's the biggest thing. Is that we have a chance, and we blow it. And we literally blew chunks all over ourselves. We tossed our cookies, and we looked embarrassing. At home, might I add. Can you can put home in quote, quotation marks because that's not really a home. FedEx Field is one of the worst fields in all of sports. I'm not gonna lie. But it's just a disappointing loss because of the sole fact that a lot of the things that I said in the post game show. Once again, you can go to the Contender at the Contender, and you can also go uh, to the Contender dot com. Contender with a K, might I add and download uh, my episode that was breaking down the Washington football team. It's about, I would say it's about uh, 55 to an hour um, of breaking down the game and also breaking down uh, what improvements were needed and stuff like that. So I'm not going to go over it too, too much. I might just glaze over it uh, right now. But the biggest thing that I looked about this team was the improvements that needed to be improved and shown some improvement in this game, I mean, just they, they just didn't. They just didn't improve. The main things that I was trying to talk about was, number one, the defensive stoppages, because in our third-down efficiency, the Washington football team was second-worst in the NFL at 56%. They were letting 56% uh, success rate on third-down. It can be third-down-and-one. It can be 3rd down and 99 but this team is letting in 56% of those to be successful. And that's not good. I mean, flat out that is not good. The passing yardage and touchdowns, okay? That's another thing that I was looking at for defense. 12 touchdowns and one interception in the last 3 games. Now again, these are the improvements before the Chiefs game. Let him, let, let, let me add that in there, okay? Not to mention we are fifth worst in yards per game through the air, letting in almost three hundred yards a game. Because those situations in the games prior with the Chiefs, or next me not the Chiefs, the Saints, the Bills, and uh the um what was the other game I'm missing? I'm missing it already. Uh let me see, let me see, let me see. The Falcons. The Falcons. Sorry about that. And those three games, they were thrown all over us. All over us. Four touchdowns for each quarterback. Jameis Winston, who's not a good quarterback, through the one pick. But he still looked like a, a world beater having four touchdowns in one pick. They all just demolished our secondary. Demolished it. And that's the problem is that when we're fifth worst. When I have to type in worst, no matter if it's seventh worst or second worst or anything like that, it's not a good sign. The passing yards was a big deal because they have Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, a couple other weapons like Nicole Hardman, so on and so forth. And somehow in the first half, we were doing all right. We were. I'll get to that in a second. The next defensive stoppage improvement that I said that we needed was the points per game. 31 points per game is second worst. Second worst, there's that word again, in the NFL. The only one that we're beating are the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, we Wilkers. We might have a shot. They are worse than us on defense. Our last four games, dating back to the Giants game, we were letting in 33.75. The funny thing is we are letting in 31 points per game, and that is including the game where the Chargers, I guess, had the opening day kind of nubs performance where they didn't go out there and uh, score a million points like they have been. They went out there and only scored 20, when they should have probably scored you know, 78. But that's the thing. We're still second worst, and they still didn't score the Chargers, that is, in the first game of the year. Funny thing is, we just let in 31 points per game, so I guess, honestly, psh, hey, we're right on cue. Right on cue. We're, we're staying the course. I mean, we're looking at that compass, and we're heading due north. So the points per game was another issue that I mentioned. And then that the last one that I mentioned was Taylor Heineke and his timing. I think that uh because his arm strength isn't there, they needed to do short to intermediate passes. Uh they did do that a decent amount, I will say that. Kept the chains moving, more so in the first half than the second half. Uh but when they got a little too greedy and they were passing it deep, they were just kind of wasting time uh, you know, passing a double coverage with Terry McLaurin. And Scary Terry is a great receiver, but he's not going to go out there and play like a 6-2 receiver. He's not going to go out there and play uh, like a top-two receiver in the league and somehow win you some ballgames like DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, uh, those type of receivers. He's just not going to do it. He's not a Randy Moss. So them trying to throw in the double coverage every single time, yeah, he might get a a ball every now and then. But I would say it's less than 50% easily. It's not a 50-50 ball for Scary Terry. Scary Terry has a different skill set. He goes out there, he thrives in the middle of the field, he thrives in catch and runs, different things of that nature. So, trying to do these deep balls to Scary Terry every time is not going to work. So, the biggest thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the biggest thing when I'm looking at this game, okay? The Chiefs had a lot of flubs and crazy weird stuff that happened in the first half that somehow we were leading. Thirteen to ten, we were leading somehow. The defense, somehow again, I'm going to say somehow, did very well. I mean, they did very well in the first half, holding the Kansas City to ten points. Yes, Pat Mahomes did make some mistakes. Yes, you know Tyreek Hill, you know, kind of dropped a ball that hit him in the hand and landed in Kendall Fuller's lap. Um, but that's the thing is, you know, that's going to happen, and if you can capitalize on those situations, then your team gets put in a place to upset other teams that are better. I mean, that's what's going to happen. The only problem with that is our team only scored seven points off those three turnovers. Seven. Seven points off those three turnovers. You can't have that. You can't have that against one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't care how bad Kansas City's defense is. They have one of the top three quarterbacks on the planet. On planet Earth, they have one of the top three quarterbacks. You can't go out there and do that. We have Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke isn't in the top I would say he's not even in the top twenty five starting quarterbacks on the in the NFL right now. And that includes uh you know or I should, should they should say that doesn't include the people that are on IR and stuff like that. Just not good. Just not good. So that's the biggest thing is you cannot have those mistakes like a Kendall Fuller interception uh, you know, it, early in the game. Okay, When Tyreek Hill slipped and fell and it hit Kendall Fuller in the numbers, can't have that happen. You can't drop that ball. I'm sorry. You just can't drop it. You have to go out there and make plays, especially if you're leaned on to be the number one defensive back. you got to go make plays. You can't do it. I'm going to touch on this very, very quickly because I made a lot of uh, buzz about this. Uh, in the the post game show, Landon Collins, why is he still in deep coverage? Why is he still out there? Now I understand why he's out there because he's probably better than every backup that we have, maybe. But why is he still covering wide receivers? Why is he still covering Travis Kelsey? Why is he out there in pass coverage? Again, the presser and some interviews that I heard with Ron Rivera, he was saying that we need to be better in putting these guys in positions to succeed. You can't go out there and succeed if you have a guy that thrives in run-stuffing and run-blocking out there covering wide receivers. Those wide receivers say they run maybe, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out a number for a 40-yard dash. Maybe a, I don't know, 4-8. Landon Collins could probably run a 4-8 right now. He is on par with the linebackers with speed, I would say. He's not out there covering you know, Tyreek Hill. He's not out there covering Calvin Ridley. He's not out there covering you know guys that have that 4-4 speed because he can't catch up when he when he gets behind. That's why, yes, he's a safety and when he's in pass coverage, he gives him some space. But you can't sit there and say this guy's going to have some closings. He's not Daryl Green. He's not going to go out there and, and you know get beat off the line and all of a sudden catch up somehow and break up the pass. It's not going to happen. We've seen it from time and time again. It's not going to happen. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. So I don't understand why he is still in pass coverage. That makes no sense. (sighs) The last thing I'll go over is the quarterback situation. Now, I understand that I didn't talk too, too much about the game. Once again, if you want to go to thecontender.com and download the Washington (sighs) Washington football team, sorry, I'm running out of breath here. The Washington football team, because I'm talking a lot. I need to take a sip of water. Let me take a sip of water live on the air. Ah. Pure quality H2O right there. If if you want to go back and listen to the Washington football team postgame show with yours truly, go to thecontender.com, download the episode. Uh, they're also probably going to be p- replaying it, so go to the on-air schedule as well uh, over the next at least few days. Go out there and check it out. I broke broke down this game a lot, uh, so I'm not going to try to address it too much here in the DC crossover because I want to get to the caps. I also want to get to uh, our DraftKings sponsored money line bit, and also want to get to the NFC East roundup and the forecast and so on and so forth. The last thing I will say is Taylor Heineke, I love you man, I love your spirit, but once Fitz comes back, you got to go man. I'm sorry, you got to go. When I say go, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, cut him. Please, just cut him. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is he needs to go out there and be the backup and come out there and show us those heroics if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets hurt again. Now, I'm not saying gets hurt for 10 weeks, but, you know, you got to gotta figure it out. So the timetable for Ryan Fitzpatrick. This is by uh, Jason Lacafora of CBS. He says that he could be cleared to return from injured reserve as soon as week seven, which is this coming week against the Green Bay Packers. Now let's be honest here. Do we want to rush back a 35 plus year old in Ryan Fitzpatrick from that hip injury? Do we want to rush him back for the Green Bay Packers? Me I don't think so. I think we can do with Taylor Heineke for one more game. Now, I think when it comes down to uh, the Denver Broncos, okay, reevaluate him then, see how he's doing, and then we can go from there. You know, we'll go from there. That's what I want to see, okay, because the Denver Broncos just got beat by a team that has a lot of controversy surrounding them in the Oakland Raiders, or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders. See what happens? I still call the Washington football team the Redskins because this is kind of instilled in my brain. So I just called them the Oakland Raiders, but they're not. But that's the biggest thing is I think that, honestly, we can reevaluate him for the Broncos game and not try to rush him back for the Green Bay Packers. Because, honestly, the early line right now is nine and a half. So we're definitely not going to be favored anywhere close in this game. I was surprised the Chiefs were 6.5. I think it's because their defense is so bad. And also they just got their ass kicked by the Bills. So I think that had a lot of play into it. Uh, But at the same time, I think that we should just kind of take a chill pill on Ryan Fitzpatrick. Maybe let him come back week 8. See how that is. Or if we can somehow steal a win against the Broncos. Lose possibly against the Packers. uh, Most likely, I should say. Uh, come back and somehow steal a game over the Denver Broncos, I think that we can have that extra bye week and maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick can come back for the Bucks, because that will give him an extra two weeks of healing time or whatever you want to call it, uh rehab. or I don't know if he's still rehabbing or not. Um, I just think that uh, when you look at that report from uh, Jason Lockenfora, I think that uh, just say that he's clear to return. Uh, but that is not uh, a, hey, he's he's ready to rock and roll. Uh, Logan Thomas also it says that he's not practicing, so that's not a good sign because he's a week-to-week basis. Uh, he's not practicing, um, so we'll see uh, what happens. But I think that report was an older report, so we'll see what happens with him uh, coming up in the next couple weeks. Uh, the problem is, obviously, Brandon Sheriff, Curtis Samuel, Sam Cosme, they were all out today, um, and so is Cam Sims. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, he says, uh, or they're saying that uh, he went underwent an MRI on his calf, so we'll see uh, what that has to deal with um, coming up later this week. But uh, that'll do it against the Washington football team because, like I said, go download the episode where I, d- I broke down the whole game and so on and so forth, the uh, improvements that needed to be made and different things like that, my raw reactions on the Contender.com. Now moving on to a winning team here in the DMV. The Washington Capitals. So how the season starts in hockey means a whole lot. You obviously saw the Tampa Bay Lightning, if you're a hockey fan, struggle mightily against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You also saw saw them struggle mightily against the Detroit Red Wings, which should have been an easy win, um, but it ended up being an overtime win, barely, just barely. Uh, I think they scored like three goals in the last 10 minutes or so of uh, the third period to send it to overtime. So that's a big thing. Uh, So they might be on their heels a little bit. They did take down the Washington Capitals uh, at the, um, I was going to say Verizon center, the capital one arena. Uh, See, I'm kind of like old school right now. I'm like going back saying the Oakland Raiders. And now now I'm saying the Verizon center, um, even though I know it uh, ever since it was the MCI center as far back as I can remember. But, um, Anyways, two games down, three points, not a bad start. They did get the overtime uh, you know, point against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was hoping because uh, Kucherov did have an injury, and they're saying that it's not really a timetable thing uh, or a day-to-day thing or anything like that for Kucherov, so that's unfortunate for the Lightning, one of their best players. Uh, but at the same time, I was hoping that game would have gone to a shootout because I think, honestly, if I'm not mistaken – Uh, I think that the Caps would have a better chance at a shootout uh, over the uh, Lightning uh, just with the personnel that they have going out there. Uh, The Caps are not good at shootouts. Let's put it out there this way. Uh, They are not good at shootouts, so I would prefer not to go to shootouts. Um, But, you know, when it it comes down to the Lightning, I think the Lightning have have more uh, snipers and and, and more so – I guess passers. I mean, I think Braden Point's pretty good uh, when it comes to shootouts. But anyways, that game is done. We lost in overtime, unfortunately. Uh, but the vets, honestly, right now, this is the biggest key to the uh, Washington Capitals. The vets need to hold strong while the young guys get experience. Obviously, you have yeah, Martin Feravari, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's Slovakian. Um, so, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it's Martin Feravari. Uh, he is playing on the top line with John Carlson, and you also have a Hendrix Lapierre who kind of was chosen to start over Connor McMichael, which I was kind of shocked about. Uh, he's playing on the third line with TJ Oshie uh, and I believe Connor Sheary as well. Um, but the biggest thing is the Vets need to make sure they hold the line, as uh, as you would say in uh, the movie 300. Um, you know, hold uh, or whatever. Actually, it was is that, is that 300 or is that in uh, in uh, Braveheart? What movie is that from? Anyways, um, they need to hold strong, basically, uh, and uh, and you know the young guys are just trying to get experience. I mean, Favarese Fer- is, is twenty two years old, okay, so he's you know barely old enough to drink, and then Hendrik Lapierre is barely old enough to drive. The guy's nineteen, okay, so uh, he did get his first goal, uh, which was very nice to see over the Rangers, but that's the biggest thing is, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, has no timetable uh for his return yet. So when you're seeing Hendricks Lapierre go out there and take his position, you're hoping that the vets can kind of uh you know hold the burden right now or get the or get the burden uh you know on their back um while these young guys kind of get more acclimated to the NHL game. Uh, a lot of these guys uh, have been uh, producing for the Hershey Bears in the AHL. Uh, but that's the biggest thing is right now Hendricks Lapierre and Martin Faravari um. You know they really need to get more playing time. They need to get more experience, uh, and that's honestly what we went into the season knowing. We went into the season knowing that they have to go out there and uh, and get experience with these older guys like Oshie, like Ovechkin, uh, when Backstrom comes back, obviously as well. And that's why Favarelli is actually on the top line with Carlson. Now, when you're looking at the at their time on the ice, it's a little bit different. This is the biggest thing: is that. Peter Laviolette is not going to go out there and throw Hendricks LaPierre to the Wolves, you know, burst his bubble, and all of a sudden say, like, oh, sorry, bud, you know, your, you know, your plus minus is minus 10 because you keep getting beat or whatever it may be. Yes, he is 0 for 7 with face-offs. Okay, not the best, but he's still 19 years old. I mean, the guy just graduated high school, basically. But you're also looking at his time on the ice per game. He's only skating 10 minutes per game. I mean, that's the biggest thing is when, when you're looking at 10 minutes per game. The difference is is between a star like Ovechkin or Kuznetsov or whoever it may be, and a guy like Hendricks Lapierre. the The time of difference, time of game, uh, time of ice time, I should say, is almost double. I mean, the one who has the most ice time right now is actually uh, for the for the skaters, uh, not for the defensemen. Is Alex Ovechkin with 22 minutes even per game. The, the defenseman, obviously, is John Carlson. Like Typically, he is 23-43 uh, time on the ice, but Hendricks LaPierre has only been on the ice like 10 minutes per game, which isn't that much. Okay, for, for people, for casual fans out there, when you're looking at time of ice, the shifts that they're on the ice don't last too long. Obviously, uh, with Alex Ovechkin and different guys like that, they're on the ice a lot more because um, of first line and second line and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but when you're looking at it, the the seasoned pros, uh, the vets are usually on there. The more uh, more often than not, uh, Martin Faravari, uh, he is on there about 18 minutes. Uh, so when it comes to de- defense, he's actually on there uh, least out of um, all of them, except for Justin Schultz. Uh, but Justin Schultz is a third line defenseman, uh, and also uh, he is also being saved for power plays and stuff like that. So you can't have him being played. Millions of minutes, but uh, he's only just less than a minute uh, from Ferrari. But that's the biggest thing: is you got to have these guys get some time. You got to have these guys uh, get some uh, experience under their belt. And obviously, you got to wait for Backstrom to come back at some point uh, and and make make that impact that he always does. Um, So that's the biggest thing when I look at this Caps team: is you just got to make sure that the uh, the two young guys that are in this this lineup. That are you know replacing some of the old vets. Uh, you got to give them some time, and you also got to make sure that they're learning. Uh, because honestly, Connor McMichael was overlooked because Hendricks Lapierre had a really good preseason, and uh, Connor McMichael is like the next big thing for the Caps that they're all saying. So we'll have to see what happens. Um, but as of right now, I'm happy from what I've seen uh, and how Laviolette is actually taking care of the young guys and kind of not not cradling them a little bit, but letting them run free a little bit, and also getting them experience. Now, the biggest thing that I'm looking at uh, over the first two games that doesn't really have to deal with the play, because so far, you know, Vitek Vanacek has been very, very strong in net, okay? He's only let in three total goals in two games. I think it's a 1.44 average or so. Uh, But also, he did have that extra period with the uh, overtime. But the biggest thing, that really tilted me in the first two games is the TNT broadcast. I mean, the TNT broadcast was cool and all, but it was terrible in certain aspects. Now, I understand the great one, Wayne Gretzky, was on there to talk about Ovechkin a bunch of times, stuff like that. But there was this whole flub or, you know, botch. Um, And I don't know why I keep saying flub. I don't even know if it's a real thing. Um, when I say it, it makes me go back to the Robin Williams, rest in peace, uh, movie Flubber. Um, but anyways, uh, basically, the biggest thing that I look at is like, come on, man. You cannot sit there and have the great ones sitting there talking. Like, there's got to be a producer back there saying, this is Hendrix LaPierre, a 19-year-old's first goal in his first NHL game. And then they scored another goal. Not to mention, by the way, that TJ Oshie assist, the dime he had through his legs to, to LaPierre was out of this world, impressive um but that's the biggest thing is you can't have the great one on there, you know f- you know flapping his gums and still talking over two goals. There's one thing where you know he's sitting there and he I think he was watching the game, I think he was, but it's like you got to have a producer in an ear I understand you you're not trying to shut up the great one because he's talking and everything like that, he's talking about Ovechkin and different things of that nature, but there' was two goals scored. LaPierre, that should have been, and I honestly miss Joe B. and Locker on the call because that would have been an awesome thing to hear, you know, Joe B. kind of go crazy for him and then uh, Locker sitting there saying, oh, you can't, you you got to love the kid or whatever. I mean, that's a terrible impression, but you got to like, you know, you got to like, you know, hearing them because they're household names now in the DMV. They've been together for a long time. They are one of the top three, I would say, broadcasting duos, um, in all of uh, DC, I mean, you got uh, you know Charlie Slow's and Dave Jagler for the Nats. You got uh, John Walton uh, for the Caps, and you also got Joe B. Locker. I think those are the top three easily. Um, but the biggest thing when it comes down to it is you can't have Wayne Gretzky sitting there and just keep on talking, and it's kind of silent, and then it's like he's talking again, and he's silent, and he's talking. And it's like, come on now, like. Just take him off the screen. Use intermissions for that, please. Why are we sitting here and listening to Wayne Gretzky in a tiny little box in the top corner of my screen when I could be sitting there looking at the Caps demolish the Rangers and have two goals scored while he's sitting there talking for five minutes? And it wasn't even like – it was informative, but because of the background goals that that were going on and, like, the kind of, like, back and forth where there wasn't really a good communication and, like, the crowd noise and this and that, it wasn't good it just wasn't good i'm sorry oh my gosh it was it, it really tilted me i'm not going to lie um it i'm not really like pissed off or anything like that but it really tilted me at that time because like i said i wanted to hear the the goal scoring i wanted to hear you know the rangers obviously were probably happy about it cuz they were getting their, their butts kicked um but at the same time that kind of tilted me a little bit but for the caps obviously uh they got some games coming up this week three games in total before we record next so we shall see uh what happens so moving on, uh, we're going to go through the NFC East real quick, uh, the little roundup for the NFC East with the Cowboys, Eagles, and the Giants. First off, the Cowboys, what a thrilling game. Now, obviously, I didn't get a chance to watch most of this because I was doing the Washington football team postgame, uh, but the Cowboys, who are now 5-1, and one, beat the Patriots in overtime. The Patriots now are 1-5, 35-29 in overtime. The Patriots somehow, somehow, I don't know how they, the world they were in this game. I think it's because of turnovers. Uh, But the Cowboys win by six in overtime. C.D. Lamb catches the game-winning touchdown pass. But Dak Prescott goes out there, 36-51, of 445 uh, yardage, three touchdowns, one interception, throwing all over the Patriots. C.D. Lamb goes out there, has one of his career days, nine catches, 149 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean – well, what a day for both those guys but Dallas outgained New England 567 to 335 how do you get outgained by 232 yards 232 yards and go to overtime now i understand like if there's some weird play that happens and it changes the tide of the game but you're still dominating like kind of like with the Chargers and the Washington football team were in the first week where the game was a lot closer uh, or I should say the score was a lot closer than the game actually was but like Dallas ran 32 more plays that's like that's like over three drives worth and a drive that's like eight or nine plays it's a really nice drive I would say I mean, 32 more plays is crazy. 15 more first downs. 15. 15! That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot. And I understand that, you know, like I said, a play might change the tide of the game. But the Patriots were up. And then all of a sudden, Mac Jones uh, throws an interception. And they return it for a touchdown, the Cowboys did. So it's not like the Patriots had that happen. I mean, that, that was just crazy. But there was one punt the entire first half, and it was blocked. What a first half that must have been to watch. I mean, seriously, one punt. So the punters were just taking a nice day off for the for the first half, and the first punt was blocked. That's just crazy. That's crazy stuff right there. And then all of a sudden the second half happens, and four of the first five drives ended up in punts for both teams. That was crazy, too. That's I mean, when I was looking at the, 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 the scores and the, the highlights and stuff like that of this game, I was like, This game must have been a crazy one to watch for both fans. I mean, that was just nuts. I mean, the game consisted of fumbles, interceptions, blocks, uh, you know, uh, pick sixes. I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, that game, I mean, if you're a Patriots fan, you have to say that you let one get away right there. I mean, you let one get away. I mean, that's that's just unfortunate because you got a couple breaks and stuff like that from what I heard, and you let it get away. Next up, the Philadelphia Eagles lose to the Buccos, the Tampa Bay Bucks, 28-22. to Now, this is one of the games, obviously, like I said in the Cowboys game, that that game uh, was – it seemed like the Cowboys were dominating uh, more than the score indicated. But the Philadelphia Eagles game, the Bucks were dominating a lot closer than the score actually indicates. 28-22, it was never that close. I watched the entire game because I had a lot of Eagles props uh for my bets that did not happen obviously cuz the eagles sucked that game uh but uh, i mean midway through the third quarter it was 28-7 bucks so i mean a measly 15 points by the eagles uh for for the last quarter and a half or something like that the eagles were out gained by 186 yards the bucks honestly let off the gas pedal late in the third quarter I mean, they ran letter four net, and they were just, you know, going by the wayside, not really doing too much. Tom Brady had about, like, 296 yards or something like that, so he didn't have a career game, but, you know, he didn't really need to. Um, Jalen Hurts, terrible game for him. Uh, now, I don't know if it's on Hurts or on the wide receivers, uh, but I like I said, I had a prop bet on Jalen Hurts. I had a prop bet on De- on Devontae Smith, um, and uh, I had a prop bet on Zach Ertz. None of them hit. Perfect. None of them hit. Uh, probably because Jalen Hurts went 12 of 26 for only 115 yards and one touchdown. Perfect. He also had an interception, but he had 10 carries for 44 yards and two touchdowns. So technically he had three touchdowns, so the fantasy day wasn't too bad. Uh, Not for me. Uh, My partner in crime, Ben Simpson, was asking uh, in our group message, uh, talking about who should I start, Jalen Hurts or Dak. Obviously Dak probably was the answer, um, even though they had about the same amount of interceptions and the same amount of touchdowns. I uh, don't know how his uh, touchdowns work in his league, but I mean, Jalen Hurts still got 44 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, so that kind of salvaged his uh, fantasy day. But either way, the Eagles suck, uh, and uh, that game proved it. <laughs> Even though we know that you can't run against the Bucks, but 115 yards in the air, uh, it was pretty pitiful. They had a lot of throw. I think at one point they had like five three and outs, which is terrible. Next up are the New York Giants. They're 1-5. They lose to the Rams that are 5-1 and now. 38-11. to Daniel Jones goes out there, throws three picks. I don't know if he has anybody to throw to anymore. Kadarius Toney is now out uh, with an ankle injury. He got out for the game. Uh, but also, Kenny, Kenny Galladay was out last week. Uh, Saquon got hurt. So who knows who's playing for the Giants anymore. He goes 29-51 for 242 and three interceptions. Matt Stafford goes off. Uh, with four touchdowns, 251 yardage, nine of those catches uh, were by 130. Excuse me, were by Cooper Cup, his favorite target, 130 yards for him and two touchdowns. The Rams, like I said earlier in the show, pile on 28 points in the second quarter uh, to go on to win a big one, 38-11, to cover that spread easily of six and a half. Uh, and then we're moving on. Moving on to college football now. The NFC East, uh, just to end that segment real fast. I mean, the Cowboys right now at 5-1 and one are just in the in the driver's seat, uh, up by three games so far, uh, and it's not looking good because the Washington football team have to keep it close. Yes, they have a really tough schedule, and uh, the Cowboys' schedule is not too bad. Um, but at the same time, you got to keep it close at this point because the last six games or so are against all NFC East – or excuse me, the last five games – are against all NFC East opponents. So if you can keep it close, steal a couple games in the NFC East. Uh, maybe the maybe the, the Cowboys falter. Maybe there's an injury or something like that. Who knows? Uh, but you've got to keep it close at some point. And this is the gauntlet that they're in right now. Moving on to college football. Western Kentucky beats up on ODU 43-20. Uh, Pittsburgh beats Tech 28-7, uh, which was an ugly game. And my girlfriend, who is from Pittsburgh, uh, she – uh, was saying like, man, Pittsburgh might be for real this year. one of their offenses or their offense is one of the best in the whole entire country. Uh but the funny thing about tech is tech just never plays good against Pittsburgh. They never play well enough to win. They always falter. They always play like but uh yeah, I couldn't come up with a better word uh, off the top of my head real quick but, but other than but um uh, but twenty eight seven at Blacksburg, it was terrible. Uh and that was after the whole entire North uh or excuse me Notre Dame uh debacle that they should have won uh a week ago. Um, but anyways, UVA trounces Duke 48 to nothing and Liberty, the Flames lose a stunner to Louisiana Monroe 28-31. They were 32 and a half point favorites. 32 and a half. Thank the Lord I did not put money on this game. I'm just going to say that right now. Thank the Lord I did not put money on this game because the sole fact that I saw someone say, oh, yeah, take the points, take the points. Thank God I didn't do that because they didn't even score 28 points. Excuse me, they didn't even score 32 points, might I add. I mean, that was crazy. That's a stunner all in itself. Moving on to the forecast right now for the teams in the local area. The Washington football team have a 1 o'clock game at Lambeau versus the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that's not going to be a good one. I, I have a feeling there, folks. Uh, 9.5 early line right now for the WFT. The Caps play on Tuesday versus the Avalanche. Thursday against New Jersey and Saturday against the Flames of Calgary. Two of those games, Colorado and Calgary, are at home at the Capital One Arena. And Thursday is at the Devils, just up the turnpike, uh, going to New Jersey. So the Caps have three games. Uh, local college games. Georgia Tech plays UVA. Maryland plays at Minnesota. Uh, Syracuse travels to Blacksburg. It looks like Virginia Tech has like a home game every single week. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then Liberty. Uh, that might be a game to look at. Liberty and North Texas. Liberty might be a little bit pissed off. Their quarterback is one of the sought-after quarterbacks uh, that you will see in the draft next year for the NFL. Um, who knows where he'll get drafted, but I would assume in the top two rounds. Uh, because everyone's in dire need of quarterbacks. Uh, But after that whole entire Louisiana-Monroe game, you never know what's going to happen. I think that Liberty will possibly go out there, easily cover the spread, because they might be just pissed off that they lost as a 32-and-a-half point favorite. You don't usually see that, folks. You don't usually see that, except except if you're uh, Minnesota earlier this year. Uh, (laughs) So this would be the time that we do the the final lap, uh, but obviously because Ben's not here, we are going to uh, bypass that. Get straight into the money line and end the show. The money line sponsored by DraftKings. Ben's picks of the week uh, last week uh, cashed in 2 0. He did take Michigan State yet again, and that one cashed as he c- tried to cover that spread of 4.5 against Indiana. They did win by 5, 20 to 15, so he gets that as his lock. Uh, and his dog last week was Northwestern plus 2.5 against Rutgers, and Northwestern, I think, one by two scores. Uh, so he went 2-0. and I also went 2-0 and as well. I had the Vikings as my dog because at the time, the Vikings were underdogs uh, at plus one. Uh, but then they ended up being a uh, minus one and a half as the line moved. Uh, but I locked that in uh, earlier in the week, so that should count for me. For the dogs, that's 1-0. and And then my lock was, <laughs> luckily, I got hooked by the Dallas Cowboys, who I don't like betting on, but at the same time, I got hooked by them. Uh, for the four and a half over the Patriots, uh, they did play like they should have easily covered, but uh, I got hooked at the very end, uh, by C.D. Lamb. Uh, so right there, I went two and zero as well. So we w- both went four and zero in our picks. Uh, I am seven and three so far, uh, for the money line segment of the D.C. crossover in this segment. Ben is 5-5, five of five, or excuse me, it's just a 5-5 five, uh, five and 5. That's what I should say. Ben's picks of the week here, his lock is Coastal Carolina. I believe that game is on Thursday over App State. Uh, and his dog is Northwestern, plus 21 and a half versus Michigan, the Wolverines. Uh, but Ben is a huge Michigan State guy, so I'm not surprised that he bet against the Wolverines. My picks of the week are the Cincinnati Bearcats. Uh, over 50.5 versus Navy. Cincinnati has scored like, it feels like they've scored over 35 in every single one of their games. Uh, so I have a feeling that Navy might, you know, sneak 10 uh, to 15 points. The spread was way too heavy for me. I think the spread was about 28, uh, and I'm not all for that. Um, but uh, Cincinnati has been scoring at will against every single p- opponent they've had, uh, whether it be a good opponent or bad opponent. They beat on Notre Dame. Uh, So I think the Cincinnati Bearcats will go over 50-and-a-half. That is my lock of the week. And my dog is the Indianapolis Colts, plus four at San Francisco. They got T.Y. Hilton back. Uh, They got some injured guys back in general. Uh, And Carson Wentz, he is not uh, as limpy on his leg anymore. Um, And uh, I think that uh, they will go out there and cover that four. Now, I don't know if they're going to win. Trey Lance uh, may be starting, may not be starting. Not exactly sure this early in the week. Uh, and how it's looking over there in San Francisco in the Bay. Uh, But at the same time, I think Indy has a good chance of covering that four spread. So that's going to do it right here for the DC Crossover. Thank you guys for tuning in to the DC Crossover. Uh, Mike Cerrone solo in this one. Uh, I tried to go over everything that me and Ben would typically go over. Uh, Ben obviously has to shut me up sometimes. Uh, So I'm not surprised this episode went this long. I tried to drag it out just a little bit. uh, (laughs) But at the same time, uh, definitely subscribe to the podcast, uh, the DC Crossover. Um, You can go subscribe, rate, review, everything, all those good things, wherever you find your podcast. If you would like to download it on The Contender, thecontender.com with a K. Uh, Also, download the Contender app. Uh, they, They have been very gracious to us. Uh, and inviting to and inviting us to be a part of their uh, initial quest uh, to be one of the best commercial-free sports talks in uh, just I mean the, the nation. We're trying to grow uh, Chicago and Washington D.C. So far. Also check out the Windy City Breeze uh, and some other shows uh, in Chicago as well if you're interested in that. Also check out the podcast A Bird's Eye View with Erica McCall. Uh, just search A Bird's Eye View uh, in your podcasting apps. And you can also check out that uh, podcast as well uh, with Erica McCall, the Washington Mystics Forward. Uh, We are a part of that podcast as well. Uh, We don't speak about anything in there. We just help produce it. Um, So we are affiliated with them or they are affiliated with us, as I say, because it's presented by us. Uh, But Erica McCall, the Washington Mystics Forward, talks about international basketball. Uh, talks about meals, talks about language barriers, talks about all these different things. That's very interesting for overseas basketball, uh, for everyone who who participates in overseas basketball uh, in the off season. But definitely check out a bird's eye view with Erica McCall, and uh, like I said before, download, uh, re- you know, review. Uh, rate, subscribe, you know, contact us for the DC Crossover. We appreciate all the support over the years, uh, and also check us out at the DC Crossover on Twitter, and also at Serone Sixteen for my personal, basically parlay, uh, gripe Twitter. Uh, at sarone Sixteen for me on Twitter. For my co-host Ben Simpson, hopefully he's on the mend. We should see you guys next week right here on the DC Crossover. Have a great week, everybody. See you next. Week.